What's up, guys? It's Andrew Baxley on the Late Night Facts Backs podcast. Right now, it's currently 6.20 p.m., so it's a great time to spit out some facts and say completely 100% things. You can reach out to me at latenightfactsofbacks.gmail.com and tweet out to me on Twitter for future episode suggestions at, at latenightfacts. Look at my other podcast, the AA Podcast, on Anchor, YouTube, and Spotify, and definitely check it out and hit us up for suggestions. All right, now tonight's facts, or late afternoon's facts I'm going to drop, is about how to build better habits in four simple steps. And this is going to be one out of, I think, five or six episodes of a series on building good habits and how to eliminate bad ones. Um, So right now we're going to talk about how to build better habits in four simple steps. And then other podcasts are going to be, um, there's a first, second, third, fourth law of how to create a good habit. And then at the end, I'll explain the inversion of that good habit. That's how um, to break a bad habit. And I'm not an expert in this. But I've gained knowledge in this because I'm getting all this information off of a book I got recommended to. Shout out Deacon for, um, and the book is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, um, and the book's about how to build good habits and um, break bad ones. So th- this podcast will be kind of an introductory to the four laws of building, um, how to create a good habit and how to break a bad one. And I think the last podcast episode is how to, um, um, like, the downside of um, creating good habits and um, how to stay motivated in life um, and in work. So, so yeah, we're going to get going. So, most of this information is going to be straight from the book. I wrote some notes on it. I'm not going to be reading word from word from the book because that would be boring. I'm not trying to tell a story to you. You guys are not sign up to hear stories, um, me telling you stories, but... Most information I'm gonna be reading, um, be reading it from the book, but not from word to word to word, because you guys don't want um, to be bored to tears. But it's a really interesting book. If you want to become a better person, if you want to become well organized, um, if you want to have a sh- less stressed out life, I recommend pay the twenty bucks. I mean, and read the book. And also, we're in quarantine right now, so what else do you have to do? I mean, yes, work out, do other stuff, but you're not gonna work out for twelve hours a day unless you're some crazy freak athlete. So buy the book. Harley, I really recommend it. Um, um, James Clear, um, great author. And the thing is, it's not like a science book, like where um, nobody can understand it. But like, guys, you guys know me. If I could read and comprehend a book, I'm not saying I'm an idiot, but if I could read and comprehend a book, I know a lot of you guys out there can understand it too. Because there's a lot of smart people out there who's smarter than me that I can think of right now. And it's, yes, he's a good author, but he's not like... Um, J.K. Rowling or some other really, I mean, she's easy to understand. I don't know. I'm not trying to get into authors right now, but he's really, um, his writing's really easy to understand. And you guys like it a lot because he uses a real, uses a lot of real life um, scenarios. That makes it interesting. Okay, so we're here to get right to it. How to build better habits in four, um, four simple steps. And this could be like an introductory to my other five podcast episodes on this habit. Series. So here we go. In 1898, a psychologist named Edward Thorndike conducted an experiment that would lay the foundation for our understanding of how habits form and the rules that guide our behavior. 
Thorndike was interested in studying the behavior of animals, and he started by working with cats. He would place each cat inside a device known as a puzzle box. The box was designed so that the cat could escape through a door by some simple act, such as pulling at a loop of cord, pressing a lever, or stepping on a platform. For example, one box contained a lever that, when pressed, would open a door on the side of the box. Once the door had been opened, the cat would dart out and run over to a bowl of food. Most cats wanted to escape as soon as they were placed inside the box. They would poke their noses, um, they would poke their nose into the corners, stick their paws through openings, and claw at loose objects. After a few minutes of exploration, the cats would happen to press the magical lever, lever, the door would open, and they would escape. Thorndike tracked the behavior of each cat across many trials. In the beginning, the animals moved around the box at random, but as soon as the lever had been pressed and the door opened, the process of learning began. Gradually, each cat learned to associate the action of pressing the lever with the reward of escaping the box and getting to the food. After 20 to 30 trials, this behavior became so automatic and habitual that the cat could escape within a few seconds. For example, Thorndike noted, Cat 12 took the following times to perform the act. 160 seconds, 30 seconds, 90 seconds, 60, 15, 28, 20, 30, 22, 11, 15, 20, 12, 10, 14, 10, 8, 8, 5, 10, 8, 6, 6, 7. During the first three trials, the cat escaped in an average of 1.5 minutes. During the last three trials, it escaped in an average of 6.3 seconds. With practice, each cat made fewer errors and their actions became quicker and more automatic. Rather than repeat the same mistakes, the cat began to cut straight to the solution. From his studies, Thorndike described their learning process by stating, quote, behaviors followed by satisfying consequences tend to be repeated and those that produce unpleasant consequences are less likely to be repeated. Um, his work provides the perfect starting point for um, discussing how habits form in our own lives. It also provides answers to some fundamental questions like, what are habits? And why does the brain bother building them at all? So, we're going to get right to it. Why our brain builds habits. So, a habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough times to become automatic. The process of habit formation begins with trial and error. Whenever you encounter a new situation in life, your brain has to make a decision. How do I respond to this? The first time you come across a problem, you're not sure how to solve it. So, like... Thorndike's cat, you're just trying things to see how that, what works. Neurological activity in the brain is high during this process. You're carefully analyzing the situation and making conscious decisions about how to act. You're taking in tons of new information and trying to make sense of it all. The brain is busy learning the most effective course of action. Occasionally, 
um, like a cat pressing on a new lever on a lever, you stumble across a solution. You're feeling anxious, and you discover that going for a run calms you down. You're mentally exhausted from a long day of work, and you learn that playing video games relax you. You're exploring, 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 and then, bam, a reward. After you stumble upon an unexpected reward, you alter your strategy for next time. Your brain immediately begins to catalog the events that preceded the reward. Like, wait a minute, that felt good. What did I do right before that? This is the feedback loop behind all human behavior. Try, fail, learn, try differently. With practice, the useless movements fade away and the useless and the, and the useful actions get reinforced. That's a habit forming. Whenever you face a problem repeatedly, your brain begins to autom automate the process of solving it. Your habits are just a series of automatic solutions that solve the problems and stresses you face regularly. As behavioral scientist Jason Hrea writes, quote, habits are simply reliable solutions to reoccurring, to recurring problems in our environment, end quote. So as habits are created, the level act of activity in the brain decreases. You learn to lock in on the cues that predict success and tune out everything else. When a similar situation rises in the future, you know exactly what to look for. There is no longer a need to analyze every angle of a situation. Your brain skips the process of trial and, of trial and error and creates a mental rule. If this, then that. These cognitive scripts can be followed automatically whenever the situation is appropriate. Now, whenever you feel stressed, um, you kind of get the itch to run to f um, like the freeze and um, flight scenario. Freeze, flight, and fight. And as soon as you walk in the door from work, you grab the video game controller. I, a choice that once required effort is now automatic. A habit um, has been created. Habits um, are mental shortcuts learned from experience. In a sense, a habit is just a memory of the steps you previously followed to solve a problem in the past. So whenever the conditions are right, you can draw on this memory and automatically apply the same solution. The primary reason the brain remembers the past is to to, is to better predict what will work in the future. Um, habit formation is incredibly useful because the conscious mind is the bottleneck of the brain. It can only pay attention to one problem at a time. As a result, your brain is always working to preserve your conscious attention for whatever task is most essential. Whenever possible, the conscious mind likes to pawn off tasks to the non-conscious mind to do automatically. This is precisely what happens when a habit is formed. Habits reduce cognitive load and free up mental capacity so you can allocate your attention to other tasks. Despite their efficiency, some people still wonder about the benefits of habits. Like some arguments go like, will habits make my life dull? Um, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a lifestyle I don't enjoy. Um, doesn't so much routine take away the vibrancy and spontaneity of life? 
Um, hardly. Such questions set up a false dichotomy. They make you think that you have to choose between building habits and attaining freedom. But in reality, the two complement each other. Habits do not restrict freedom. They actually create it. In fact, the people who don't have their habits handled are often the ones with the least amount of freedom. Without good financial habits, you will always be struggling for the next dollar. Without good health habits, you will always seem to be short on energy. Without good learning habits, you will always feel like you're behind the curve. If you're always being forced to make decisions about simple tasks, like when should I work out? Where do I go to write? When do I pay the bills? Then you have less time for freedom. It's only by making the fundamentals of life easier that you can create the mental space needed <clears throat> for free thinking and creativity. <clears throat> um, conversely, when you have your habits doubted in and the basics of life are handled and done, your mind is free to focus on new challenges and master the next set of problems. Building habits in the present allows you to do more of what you want in the future. Um, so now we're going to get into how the science of habits work and um, the process of building a habit. So here we go. I'm reading this from my notes and quoting a lot from the book too because I'm not a master in this, but I just want to spread this information to you guys. So if you don't want to spend money in the book, you can hopefully learn from this. So the process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps. Cue craving response and reward breaking it down into these fundamental parts can help us understand what a habit is how it works and how to improve it so this four-step pattern is the backbone of every habit and your brain runs through these steps in the same order each and every time so first is the cue the cue triggers your brain to initiate a behavior. Um, it is a bit of information that predicts a reward. Um, our prehistoric ancestors actually were paying attention to cues that signaled the location of primary rewards like food, water, and sex. Today we spend money of our time. No, today we spend most of our time um, learning cues that predict secondary rewards like money and fame. Um, power and status, praise and approval, love and friendship, or a sense of personal satisfaction. Um, and our mind is continuously analyzing our internal and external environment for hints of where rewards are located. Because the cue is the first indication that we're close to reward, it naturally leads to a craving. And a craving is the second step. And a craving is the motivational force behind every habit. Without some level of motivation or desire, without craving a change, we have no reason to act. What you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. You do not crave smoking a cigarette. You crave the feeling of relief it provides. You are not motivated by brushing your teeth, but rather by the feeling of a clean mouth. 
You do not want to turn on the television. You want to be entertained. Every craving is linked to a desire to change your internal state. This is an important point. Um, this is an important step that we need um, to learn, that we need to know more. And um, ultimately, guys, cravings differ from person to person. Um, in theory, any piece of information could trigger a craving, but in practice, people are not motivated by the same cues. So, I mean, for instance, for a gambler, the sound of slot machines can be a um, potent trigger that sparks an intense wave of desire. For someone who rarely gambles, the jingles and chimes of the casino are just background noise. Cues are meaningless until they are interpreted. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the observer are what transform a cue into a craving. The third step is the response. The response is the actual habit you perform, which can take the form of a thought or an action. Whether a response occurs um, depends on how motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior. If a particular action requires more physical or mental effort than you are willing to expe um, expend, then you won't do it. Your response also depends on your ability. It sounds simple, but a habit can occur only if you are capable of doing it. If you want to dunk a basketball but can't jump high enough to reach the hoop, well, you're out of luck. Finally, the response delivers a reward. Reward is the end goal of every habit. The cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting the reward. The response is about obtaining the reward. And we chase rewards because they serve us two purposes. One, they satisfy us. And two, they teach us. Um, the first purpose of rewards is to satisfy our craving. So yes, rewards provide benefits on their own. Um, food and water deliver the energy we need to survive. Um, getting a promotion at work brings more money and respect. Getting in shape improves your health and our dating prospects. But the more immediate benefit um, is that rewards satisfy our craving to eat or to gain status or to win approval. I mean, at least for a moment, rewards deliver contentment and relief from craving. Second, rewards teach us which actions are worth remembering in the future. Um, our brain is a reward detector. So as you go about your life, your sensory nervous system is continuously monitoring which action, actions satisfy our desires and deliver pleasure. Feelings of pleasure and disappointment are part of the feedback mechanism that helps your brain distinguish useful actions from useless ones. Rewards close the feedback loop and complete the habit cycle. The feedback loop of um, uh, the feedback loop um, of cue, craving, response, and reward. If a behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it would not become a habit. Eliminate the cue and your habit will never start. Reduce the craving, and you won't experience enough motivation to act. Make the behavior difficult, and you won't be able to do it. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desire, then you have no reason to do it again in the future. So without the first three steps, a behavior will not occur. 
without all four, a behavior would not be repeated. So, in summary, the cue triggers a craving, which motivates a response, which provides a reward, which satisfies a craving, and ultimately becomes associated with the cue. Together, these four steps form a neurological feedback loop. Cue, craving, response, reward. Get that in your head, guys. Cue, craving, response, reward. Cue, craving, response, and reward. And this ultimately allows us to create automatic habits. And this cycle is known as the habit loop. And this four-step process is not something that happens occasionally, but rather it is an endless feedback loop that is running and active during every moment we are alive, even now. The brain is continually scanning the environment, predicting what will happen next, trying out different responses and learning from the results. The entire process is completed in a split second and we use it again and again without realizing everything that has been packed into the previous moment. We can split these four steps into two phases. One, the problem phase, and second, the solution phase. The problem phase includes the cue and the craving, and it is when you realize that, realize that something needs to change. The solution phase includes the response and the reward, and is when you take action and achieve the change you desire. All behavior is driven by the desire to solve a problem. Sometimes the problem is that you know something good and you want to obtain it. Sometimes the problem is that you're excited, you're experiencing pain, and you want to relieve it. Either way, the purpose of every habit is to solve the problems you face. Um, I mean, imagine walking into a dark room and flipping on the light switch. You have performed this simple habit so many times that it occurs without thinking. You proceed through all four stages in the fraction of a second. The urge to act strikes you without thinking so by the time we become adults we rarely notice the habits um, that are running our lives most of us never give a second thought to the fact that we tie the same shoe first every morning or unplug the toaster after each use or always change into comfortable clothes after getting home from work or school after decades of mental programming we automatically slip into these patterns of thinking and acting so now I'm going to go into this book and give you some examples of things we do every day or might do sometimes and then the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward that follows um, after the first thing, which is the cue. So here's the cue. Your phone buzzes with a new text message. The craving is you want to learn the contents of the message. The response is you grab your phone and read the text. And the reward is you satisfy your craving to read the message. Grabbing your phone becomes associated with your buzz with your phone buzzing. Um, so here's another example. You smell a donut shop as you walk down the street near your office. The craving is you begin to crave for a donut. Like the Krispy Kreme donuts, duck donuts. Mm, they're good. The response is you buy a donut and eat it. The reward is you satisfy your craving to eat a donut. Buying a donut becomes associated with walking down the street near your office. 
Here's the, here's the last one. You wake up. Next, you want to feel alert. Then you drink a cup of coffee. And the reward is you satisfy your craving to feel alert. Drinking coffee becomes associated with waking up. So now, as we're ending this podcast... Right, we're gonna, a little, we're gonna do a little quick introduction of the four laws of behavior change, and I'm gonna do um, each individual podcast on one law at a time. So, because there's a lot of information to each one, and I don't want to say all four in one podcast because I don't want to be rushed. So here we go. Um, um, these four laws can be called um, the four laws of behavior change, and it provides a simple set of rules for creating good habits. And breaking bad ones. I mean, you can think of each law as a lever that influences human behavior. When the levers are in the right positions, creating good habits is effortless. When they are in the wrong position, it is nearly impossible. So here we go. I'm going to give you a breakdown. The four laws for how to create a good habit. And we're going from there. So the first law um, is to cue. And... To make a good habit is to make it obvious. The second law, um, the craving, and to make a good habit is you got to make it attractive. The third law, the response, and to make a good habit, you got to make it easy. And the fourth law, which is the reward, and to make it a good habit, you got to make it satisfying. And you can invert these laws to learn how to break a bad habit. So the inversion of the first law, which is still the cue, and to make it a ba- and to break a bad habit, you got to make it invisible. The inversion of the second law of the craving, and to make it into to break a bad habit, you got to make it unattractive. The inversion of the third law of the response to break a bad habit, you got to make it difficult. The inversion of the fourth law, which is the reward, and to break a bad habit, you got to make it unsatisfying. So it's pretty obvious. And the inversion of satisfying is unsatisfying. Inversion of easy, difficult. And the inversion of attractive is unattractive. Then inversion of obvious is invisible. There you go. It makes more sense now. These four laws of behavior change apply to nearly every field from sports to politics, art to medicine, comedy to management. These laws can be used no matter what challenge you guys are facing. There is no need for completely different strategies for each habit. So guys, whenever you want to change your behavior, you can simply ask yourself, how can I make it obvious? How can I make it attractive? How can I make it easy? How can I make it satisfying? And guys, if you ever wondered, why don't I do what I say I'm going to do? Why don't I lose the weight or stop smoking or save for retirement or start the side business? Why do I say something is important but never seem to make time for it? The answer to those questions are found somewhere in the four laws. The key to creating good habits and breaking bad ones is to understand these fundamental laws and how to alter them to your um, specifications. Specifications. Oh my gosh, I'm bad. Um, (laughs) Every goal is doomed to fail if it goes against the grain of human nature. Our habits are shaped by the systems in our life. Um, Yeah, guys. Overall, our habits are shaped by the systems in our life. And whenever we, um, you guys want to change your behavior, simply ask yourself, how can I make it obvious? How can I make it attractive? 
how can I make it easy? And how can I make it satisfying? Um, if you guys want to know the answers to those, um, stay tuned to our next four podcasts. Each one will be on each law. And if you guys can't wait that long, go ahead and buy the book called Atomic Habits by James Clear on Amazon for like 20 bucks. Read the book. I, sh- I highly recommend it. Probably one of the best books I've ever read in my life. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Late Night Facts and Backs podcast. Remember to reach out to me at Late Night Facts and Backs at gmail.com and Twitter at Late Night Facts. Um, thank you for listening to some facts um, before you take your, um, right now it's 7 o'clock, so before you take your 7 o'clock nap or go to bed right now. Um, but yeah, guys, remember, stay tuned. Um, hopefully this podcast helps. Hopefully it inspires you to make a change, how to make better habits in your life, and so your life becomes less stressed out and easy. But, um, yeah, guys, thank you, guys. Bax is out. Good night.